like, oh, you know, this is really hard, but also it's like the best thing ever. Oh, well, that's, I think that is the perfect sum up of what motherhood is though, right? Like it is a contradiction. You do feel two things at once all the time. This is Mother Other with Amy Pearson. This podcast is recorded and produced on the unceded lands of the Dark and Young people, and I acknowledge them as the traditional owners. Hello, how are you all? Gosh, it's been a while. I haven't posted in quite a few weeks. I've been very busy coming to the end of my maternity leave period and therefore the end of my free time period, able to work on the podcast whenever I like, which I'm going to miss a lot but I will still try and carve out space for it as much as I possibly can. And at the same time, we're coming out of lockdown here in New South Wales. So it's been a bit of a strange period. I've had a lot of other things going on, a few more balls in the air, if you will. I've actually started a new business with my sister, creating beautiful plant-based feasts. You can find that at daisygraze.com. That's D-A-Z-Y-G-R-A-Z-E.com. We're based here on the central coast of New South Wales. So if you have any events or any gifts you'd like to send out to friends or loved ones and you're a local, definitely get in touch with us and we can help you out with that. Today's guest is Jana Fuchs, founder of Radiant Birth, a birth workshop known as an immersion for mothers in waiting based in Victoria. Jana and I became virtual friends over the past year or so and have followed one another's journeys through parenting and business with words of support and solidarity, always there to cheer each other on through the inbox on Instagram. Jana began dancing when she was just three, which moved to something serious, studying as a junior associate with the Royal Ballet at just nine years old. As an adult, she had a volatile but fruitful career as a dancer at VCA, worked as a choreographer and an independent artist doing commissions for Sugar Mountain Festival and touring with Sydney Dance Company. She then went on to be a yoga teacher and work in the digital creative industries. Yana was adopted as a baby and had always wanted to have children and start her own blood lineage. Yana wanted to pay homage to her Korean ancestry during her postpartum period, so she did a month in sitting, also known as a golden month here in the Western world. Yana and I talk about the invisibility that we can feel during motherhood, especially after the first six weeks post-birth. We talk about mental health, seeing a perinatal therapist to help work through the big emotions that motherhood can bring. We talk motherhood bringing on a whole surge of new friendships when we feel like we're past the age of making new friends. And the surge of inspiration that was birthed for each of us with the birth of our children. We also discuss writing and how important that became to each of us during that process. Maternal drive, matrescence pushing us deeper creatively, the importance of being able to separate our career, success and goals from our identity and not let it define us. That's all I'll leave you with today. Thanks so much for your patience if you're an avid listener. I appreciate every single one of you as I've mentioned previously. I just really want you to know that I will be posting more episodes sporadically over the next few weeks. So stay tuned for those. And here's Yana now telling us who she is a mother to. I am a relatively new mother to my daughter Sunday, who is now 21 months. Wow. Yeah. That's gone so fast, hasn't it? I know. It's crazy. You know, one moment there, this tiny, perfect little ball of joy and the next there, 
the devil is coming out of them, <laughs> you know? <laughs> yeah, we discussed this, didn't we? Yeah, um, I, I can 100% relate. I was, I don't know if I was talking to you about it, but um, my son, he's, oh, I've stopped counting in months because he's over two now. So it's yeah. like he's two and a half almost. Um, but all of a sudden, since the baby came along, really, he's gotten a lot more tantrumy. Like his tantrums have really upped the level. Yeah. And now he's sort of doing this like gremlin scream. It's really intense. It's so full on. When I'm around it, I'm like, I don't know who you are. But um, yeah, just like it's so hard to support him through those emotions because um, I'm just not used to being around anyone who's emotionally volatile like that. So it's, yeah, it's pretty triggering. Yeah, it's so triggering. Sunday is really um, putting a lot of boundaries up um, at the moment with needing her own space, which I knew that would happen. But I just thought, God, like she's not even two yet, you know. But for, you know, a one and a half year old to push me away and say, space, mummy. No, no space, mummy. It's like, God, is this the, is this the beginning of the end? You know. <laughs> I know it hurts your feelings so much, doesn't it? Because you you're used to always being able to sort of cuddle them and nurture them anytime and then they start wanting that independence um so talk to me about who you were as a working woman before you got pregnant with Sunday what was your life like what was your career like oh gosh I have I feel like I've had like so many lives so I started my career off actually at the VCA I studied dance at the VCA oh wow I didn't know that yeah I did and I had like a pretty Volatile but fruitful career as a dancer and choreographer, independent artist, up until like I would say 2015. That was like when I did my last tour with Sydney Dance Company, my last kind of commission for Sugar Mountain Festival, which no longer exists anymore. Mm. Um, and I sort of just kind of let it go, you know, with. I did it for so long. I mean, I started dancing when I was three years old as like a hobby, um, like most young girls do. And then that kind of blossomed into something really serious. We moved to the UK. My dad was in the Air Force, so we travelled a lot. Um, and then I kind of fell into something that was, you know, quite innocent, I guess, turned into something quite serious. I went to the Royal Ballet when I was you know, maybe like nine or 10. Or you you were in the Royal Ballet? Yeah, to study as a young kid, as a junior associate. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. And then then came back to Australia, did high school and full-time dancing at the same time. So even though I was at school full-time, I was doing like 35 hours of contact dancing a week. So I would finish school, walk to dancing, start class at, you know, I don't know, whatever time class started, you know, four, and then get home at 8.30 each night, dancing on the weekend, Saturday and Sunday, competitions, exams. And then um, after I finished high school, I actually did my undergrad at WAPA, the Western Australian Academy of Performing Arts, and then did my honours at the VCA. And then just went in full ball into that life. That's so wild. I was a dancer for a lot of my life. That's why I'm so interested because I think if you hadn't been a dancer, you wouldn't understand how much work went into that life that you had because I I did not continue it. Um, I didn't do as much as you did. I was, I think I did about 18 hours. That was probably my highest point. And that was, when I turned 16, I just went, 
I'm done. I don't want to yeah. do it anymore. Yeah. Um, I think I, I went through a bit of a like music kind of emo phase. Like <laughs> I don't want to do what people tell me to do. So it fully mm-hmm. was against like the ballet lifestyle. But but I understand how much work that would have been for you and how much of your life was invested in that. That's really full on. But amazing that you must have been incredible and must be incredible to oh, go that far. It was um, – it, it's so funny because I, I don't – I do miss that life, you know, sometimes because I feel like my identity was so caught up in that, you know, and it's so weird to say, like, you know, it was so synonymous ever since, you know, being a child, I was like, I want to be a dancer. And then, you know, I was an adult and I'm a dancer, I'm a maker, like I'm an artist. And then stepping out of that zone and, you know, bumping into like old collaborators or, you know, people I went to school with and they're like, oh, what are you doing with yourself? You're like, oh, I'm yeah, I'm not, I'm not doing that anymore. And it just felt, mm. it's such a big shift, you know. But I yeah. kind of fell into doing, like I loved yoga. Obviously I've loved yoga since I started um, sta- started dancing, kind of sort of fell into that. And then I ended up working at a yoga studio for a bit and then taking on their marketing role. And then I one day managed to find myself in advertising where my friend who um, went to school with me, he was a filmmaker. He was like, Hey, I've got this like really cool job at this like big ad agency. They pay really well. You get to be creative and you get like money every week. <laughs> do you want to, <laughs> do you want to like come and have a go at it? And then I just fell into like a content like managing role there. And I've been wow, there. Wow, that's amazing. And then I've sort of been there ever since. I guess dancing really teaches you that that sense of discipline and, you know, the idea that the show must go on and you figure anything out, you know, like with yeah. um, with focus and um, research and understanding, you can kind of do anything. That's that They're the kind of key principles I think I took away from my career in dance, I guess. That's so interesting. I wonder if that's something to do with why I'm so uh, driven and push on through. (laughs) It's true because dancing is, especially as a young dancer, which I started very young as well. I think I was about four. um, You sort of don't know any other, anything else other than you have to go every week. You have to perform every time there's a performance. You have to go to every competition. Like there's no, yeah, it's so interesting. Yeah, actually, um, I've met other mothers since, you know, not knowing that, um, watching them and thinking, oh gosh, they're so successful. They're like, how do they do it? They've got like two kids and they've got this amazing fashion label or there's this amazing artist and yeah. they're actually all um, used to dance. There you go. Wow. Yeah. Ooh, something to say there, isn't it? Mm. So, so you're in that career in marketing advertising, you would call it, um, and that was yeah. sort of around the time you got pregnant. So had you been thinking about becoming a mum? Was it something that happened randomly? How was that for you? Um, I definitely wasn't thinking of becoming a mother. It was a surprise, a happy accident, so to speak. Um, yep. And, yeah, I mean, it, we were obviously excited once the idea settled in, but yeah, it wasn't definitely something that I hadn't planned because I there was no one in my community that was having babies. So it was such a foreign concept for us to be okay. and a foreign road for us to be going down. Mm. You were happy when you became, you call it a happy accident. So you're obviously happy when you became pregnant. What was the experience of becoming pregnant like for you in terms of your career? Were you 
worried about what would happen? Were you thinking about any of that? Was it something you just, did you just sort of say yes and like go along with it? Absolutely. I felt like um, I definitely had unrealistic expectations of myself because I feel like I put a lot of pressure on myself anyway. As a mother, as a person, I think, uh, you know, as somewhat a working woman. Um, So I was like, yep, I'm going to be back six months postpartum. I remember saying to my boss, I'll be back six months postpartum. And I remember being on mat leave, like I stayed till the bitter end. I think like I was 30, I don't know, like 36 weeks when I went on mat leave, but still Mm -hmm. remember people, you know, sending me emails and messaging me and asking me things for handover and being really in it still, you know, like, oh, yeah, 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 I'll help you, blah, 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 because I don't know, I just felt like I didn't really want to let go of that yet, you know? Yeah. It's interesting too because, like you said, you told your boss you wanted to be back six months postpartum and even this second time for me, in my head, very basic things like this podcast and my work as web designer and also things like book club that I did on a Sunday night every month. In my head I thought, oh, I'll just give birth and then I'll be able to start going back to book club again. And then I realised after the birth, hang on, I have a baby now. Like you don't. You don't really think that far ahead, even after you've already been through it. It's like your your body gives you this weird, I don't know, your brain goes all funny and you just you just don't realise that you're going to have an actual human being with you and you need to work out where they're going to be and how they're going to be looked after. Um, but it's a very foreign concept before you're into that. Um, so before you got pregnant, before you had this happy accident, had you thought about becoming a mum and wanting that? Um, of course, I mean, I always imagined myself with children, multiple children and a family of my own. I am adopted. So I guess I really wanted to have my own sort of blood lineage, so to speak. Yeah, always imagined myself with a family, you know, Um, but I just guess I hadn't really expected it would happen so soon or unplanned, but I guess you can't really plan for these things, you know. Yeah. Yeah, totally. And then in the postpartum period, so you're you're mentally planning to go back six months into it. What was the postpartum period like for you? Did you have support? So the first um, 40 days or the first, I would say like three and a half weeks are amazing. I really, I guess I really wanted to pay like homage to my, you know, Korean ancestry and really just honor those first 40 days so I did a month in sitting um or whatever you'd like to call it golden month I think we call it in the west but my mum and dad as you know live right near you in New South Wales and they actually um got an Airbnb around the corner from our house and we had this like really beautiful routine going on where they would come at around lunchtime maybe like 12 o'clock make me lunch keep me company, cook dinner and leave by three. And so wow. I had so I had that like ongoing support for like three weeks. My husband took five and a half weeks off work. Oh, that's amazing. He is he was he's really lucky because I guess he works for himself and he DJs and he like has the record label. But um yeah he just didn't take any gigs during that time. And I remember the first gig that he did take um, I had a meltdown and he put an iPod on and came back to me. 
Oh, that's so nice. Such a good good husband. (laughs) Pretty hilarious um, for the people that were there. They probably wouldn't have even noticed, would they? No, but I'm sure they would have. They wouldn't have noticed. Um, (laughs) They were drunk. (laughs) They were drunk anyway. It was just a rooftop. (laughs) Yeah, so that first 40 days felt like really, really, like really held, you know. And then after, after they left, had the reality of life hit in, felt pretty, pretty invisible to start off with, you know, like, it's like you kind of, after six weeks, people just, it's like your baby's not cute anymore or something, or you're not, (laughs) you're not like hot news. Because it's not a tiny little asleep. Yeah. Not hot off the press. People stop visiting you. People don't want to help you. You're just kind of, they're fumbling in the darkness just thinking Mm. what the fuck am I what the fuck am I doing you know yeah that's that I guess that was sort of a bit of a wake-up call I definitely didn't ask for help the way that I will you know the next round so how did you feel emotionally during that time especially after your parents had left and you were sort of in the thick of it by yourself do you did you struggle emotionally Yeah, I think I did. I mean, I was really up and down. Like I think, you know, like lots of mothers are. I saw a perinatal therapist at about four months postpartum and I continue to see her now to this day. I mean, I see her like maybe once a month as a check-in. She was such a great way for like processing just all those really big feelings, you know. I remember feeling like, surges of rage and you know sadness and it's just it's a lot isn't it you know yeah it really is a lot yeah definitely I think I think all birthing and breastfeeding people feel that and in in, I mean in varying sort of um, degrees but I think having someone to process that with is amazing I I never had a therapist to process that with that's definitely something that I think is good advice for people listening because that would have helped me the the first time especially Um, and especially because you wanted to go back six months in, once you were in that sort of postpartum period, you're seeing this perinatal therapist, which was obviously helping you a lot. Did you want to work? Did you have that urge? No, I actually didn't have that urge. Um, there was a part of me the like, you know, that like really perfectionist side of me was like, yep, I've got to go back to work. I've got to go back to work. But like the actual the act of it was impossible. I was exhausted yeah. and, and Sunday wouldn't take a bottle. So I was glued to yeah, her. Okay. I was absolutely mm-hmm. glued to her. And that was really anxiety inducing as well because all the mothers in my mother's group didn't breastfeed. They were all like formula fed babies. And um, all the, they had all these, they were able to like leave their baby with their like mother-in-law or a friend with a bottle, but I just was just glued to her, you know, she just, Mm. yeah. Yeah. That was the same as me. I understand that. It's really, like you said, anxiety inducing. And I think especially first baby, because you know that you can't go far without them needing you because you feel that real strong tie to them. I don't feel that as much this time with this baby. I definitely feel a tie to her but she also won't take a bottle but she's just a lot more chilled out than my first baby so I wonder if that's something to do with it but 
being a new mum, it's it's anxiety inducing in itself, really, isn't it? Because all mm. of a sudden you've got to be responsible for a human being, and it's it's huge that amount of stress, you know. What about other mothers? You mentioned your mother's group. Did you stay in your mother's group? Did that work out for you? Um, I actually made a really close friend of my mother's group, who I'm still really close with today, and I think. I mean, I hear these stories all the time about mothers getting thrown into a postcode. I mean, how does a postcode define someone's interests, hobbies, life expansion, you know, biology, like all of these things, but it's just ridiculous. It's like the whole idea is just totally, it's totally archaic to me. But um, I did meet one really close girlfriend and we, our daughter's, actually go to the same daycare together now which is really which is really sweet so they've sort of grown up and they still have this really close friendship and it was worth it to meet her you know yeah that's really nice and did you connect straight away or was it sort of a growing slow process no I think it was like a pretty immediate connection yeah I remember she was like oh I'll if you want me to teach you how to use a bottle I'll help you let me come over and help you and from there it was just kind of on that friendship and you know we live like so great two minutes walk away and yeah it's amazing how like in you don't think that you could ever make friends in your 30s like in your early 30s but motherhood brings on this whole surge of new friendships which I think is such Mm. a beautiful part of motherhood a hundred percent yeah I think some of the best friends that I have now I've met in my motherhood journey I think there's so much you can connect on although I do think you still kind of need to have some other similar common ground between you as well like you mentioned um but but it's so nice to did you did you have any other friends that had kids or anything or was that your kind of sole motherhood friend like I actually didn't have any. My husband's um, like booking agent, his wife had a couple of kids. Um, I guess I had some older friends that had children, but not really. Um, yeah. But now, you know, like 21 months postpartum, I've got so many mum friends and I feel yeah. like such an overwhelming sense of community. But it's taken me a bloody long time to get there and a lot of work as well you know you have to work yeah. at friendships the way you have to work at motherhood yes I totally agree with you and I think the one sort of common um saving grace between mothers as friends is that while you have to work at it you also understand that one another has so much going on because you yeah. are a mum that you don't have those high expectations on each other yes and it sort of lets a lot of things slide easily like you know, we're always apologizing for everything. You've apologized to me so many times today already. And it's like, you don't need to apologize to mum friends because they get it. Yeah. Um, I'm sure, I'm sure other friends get things as well and shouldn't apologize as much as well because we're women and we all apologize too much, but, but you know what I mean? I think there's, um, there's something to say about being a mum and just to have that common ground. So talking about radiant birth, how did this concept arise and what part of your parenting journey were you on when that began for you? So I guess I've talked a lot about this sort of on our you know, community channels, but I really do believe that it's like, you know, we go from doing, 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 we give birth. And then for a lot of us, it's like the first time that we sit still, right? Like actually sit still, sit still reflect, digest, 
like see ourselves for who we really are and I really felt like that's what happened to me and during that time I felt like so creatively full Mm. I was always thinking of things you know having visions of the future and just feeling hyper stimulated by the smallest of things you know yeah I do yeah yeah, you do I mean you are (laughs) 100% perfect example of this but um so my other mum friend, my other only one mum friend at the time, Bunny, who actually did, we met during our pregnancy and she and I were doing our yin yoga teacher training together. I was kind of talking to her about this idea and I remember she came over for a play date and I just sort of blurted it out. And then from there, I was like, wow, it's out in the open. I'm going to do this. And then I just started like using like all my contacts and like, you know, it's amazing the work you can get done from the hours of seven till like one in the morning, you know, (laughs) when your baby goes to sleep, I started using Mm -hmm. my contacts and I was like, okay, cool. This is someone I used to work with in advertising. Maybe she can do my graphic design and maybe like this person can do my website and like, what Mm -hmm. do I want to do? You know, and then started putting it together and then blah, it was there, you know? (laughs) Mm. It's, it's crazy how much um, inspiration can come in that postpartum period for some people. Not everybody gets it, but I think, yeah, certain people like you and I, obviously it just, it's like, as soon as you're in that space and you have that time to be still, your brain's just like, oh my God, I have a hundred thousand things that I need to be doing. Um, And I, I actually find it quite overwhelming, but also the best because I really feel I guess my most content when I'm fully stimulated in the brain and I, and I really feel that in the postpartum. So how soon did it sort of come together for you? Was that a very quick process considering you had all of those contacts and all of those um, people you could reach out to? I think it took about, I reckon it took about like seven, eight months till it launched. Yeah. That's really incredible. Yeah, it was pretty quick. And then we had our first course, maybe I want to say 10 and a half, 11 months into it being launched. I mean, like, you know, seven, eight months it launched, like physically, like the website, everything. And then the actual workshop happened in the April the next year. So it was really quick, actually, in retrospect. I didn't really think about it like that, but yes. Did you, did it give you a sense of connection a bigger sense of connection to that world of parenthood and motherhood? Yeah, it gave me a really strong outlet to express and process my journey and like Mm. my deepest desires and like unlock kind of feelings that maybe I had been harboring and didn't realise. I never really, I love writing, but I never realized how much I loved writing until I launched this platform you know because Mm. I think like when you're writing something like even if it's a piece of copy for a social it's like really it's like journaling it's really thoughtful and really there's a lot of process and thought that goes behind it I mean to others it might look like this picture with some copy but to the person that sits in the dark at 1am thinking about the copy it's actually like three hours of thought process that goes behind it. Yeah, I totally agree with you. And I think it was similar for me. I mean, I've always been a reader and I've always been really interested in language and writing, but it's never been a big part of my life until I birthed my son. And then I had all of this time, like we've been saying in the postpartum, and I'd be writing on my phone all the time 
feelings, thoughts about motherhood and parenting and 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 really um, wrangling with this this whole inspiration creativity thing that comes along with it and trying to exactly what the podcast is that's that's how it that's how it became what it is I think that sort of burst of um, maternal drive I guess I think that's what it is it's like matrescence sort of pushed me into um, a deeper part of creativity that I'd never been in before and it sounds like it did something similar for you so now that the business is alive and thriving um, how do you manage your time between you still work right as well so you're doing yes. multiple things and mothering how how are you managing all of your time right now oh, um, honestly not very well <laughs> um, I just like to say explicitly there is so much push and pull that goes on behind the scenes of every day I mean just even to get onto this to spend 45 minutes talking to you it's just like you know you get it you get it yeah so I work three days freelance for an ad agency I have one day that I try to dedicate to radiant birth but it actually normally just happens over seven days when Sunday goes to bed and then I parent two full days as well during the week Mm -hmm. and then Sunday is in care two days at daycare and one day with her nan yeah it's yeah. like a really tight very fine time I don't know I don't know how I do it yeah <laughs> it sounds very similar to our our structure as well a couple yeah. of days in care a couple of days with grandparents and then with us as much as possible and how much has motherhood impacted your identity the way you see yourself internally and externally I guess I think I am braver in motherhood. I think that I actually have a stronger voice as a mother and I feel more settled in motherhood. I know I sound kind of frantic when we talk right now about like, you know, the push and pull of everything, but I just feel more settled and more complete in myself. Even though my time is pulled, I feel like it's pulled in the directions that I want it to be. And I have created boundaries and parameters with my time. So I'm using the time the way that I want to use it. Mm. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I'm wondering if that was a slow process or if that kind of happened naturally for you quite quickly through matrescence or if that's something that, that you got better at over time. Maybe better over time, I think. Yeah. Everything gets better over time, don't you think? Yeah, yeah, for sure. That first sort of initial dive into motherhood, like I keep saying matrescence is what they call it. I'm wondering if maybe you had, I mean, you had that therapist to process a few things with as well. We didn't even talk about your birth, but we can get into that later on. But I'm wondering how you felt during the first sort of stages of postpartum and and how your process went from from being thrown into motherhood and then coming out the other side, like you said, feeling more settled. Because I guess maybe I'm just surprised because most people say that they don't feel settled when they first become mothers, and I definitely didn't. I felt very out of it. But maybe you just did. Is that just what it was for you? Yeah, 
it was a process, of course, of course. Uh, first of all, yeah, like I said before, it was like a big, you know, postpartum is a big slap in the face, isn't it? <laughs> really, to oh, put it yeah. nicely. But yeah, in time, I definitely feel like more settled in myself as in like more full in myself and my goals and like my ambitions and where mm. I see myself in the world and what I have to give. Um, I feel so much more generous, but then also so much more bound at the same time, like the contradictions of motherhood, you know? Yeah, it, it's so empowering hearing what you're saying. And I'm thinking, wow, you really took motherhood in your stride. Like that's actually quite rare. But I think I think we all get there at some point. Well, not everybody maybe, but a lot of people get there at some point. But the battle is quite tough in the beginning. And so I'm just interested in that sort of transition, I think. So... What does the word mother bring up for you? It shifts so much, that word, you know, Uh, and it can shift so much in a day, you know, like sometimes I feel like mother brings up, like is really triggering and it's like lack of autonomy, lack of spontaneity, like cleaning, like tantrums, like nappy changes, Mm -hmm. like routine, you know, and then sometimes it really feels like, flip the switch to like five minutes later when they're like holding you tenderly and like telling you like these big words you're like wow motherhood means like complete encompassing and limitless love and Mm. just complete fullness of heart yeah I feel that what would you sort of if you were talking to someone or even your past self that was thinking about starting a business during motherhood, especially in the early days like you and I have, would you give them any advice about how to manage everything and maybe if they're struggling with the weight of it all already? I think uh, my biggest advice for starting a new business would be to go with your gut and if you're passionate about something, the people will come. The people Mm. will come. Yeah. yeah, it's like it, don't worry about like being perfect or having like like some kind of crazy business structure or like finance structure. <laughs> Just like do something that you truly believe in and then the people will come, you know. That's such good advice. And something else I think that comes up for me when you say that is um, I've always struggled with the worry that what I'm doing is going to be done by someone else. But you know oh, what? Okay. I've realized over time that it will. Of course it will because it's it's if it's a good idea, someone else is bound to have that idea and that doesn't mean that your idea and your business and your whatever it is project isn't important and that people won't come. People can enjoy multiple things and I guess what I'm trying to say is your place is just as important as other people's place. And there are so many people in the world, like there's, there's many, many different um, versions of everything when you think mm. about it. For example, this podcast is a podcast. I listen to multiple podcasts on the same topics because that's my interest. So if there's someone else that's doing something similar, it doesn't matter. It's actually probably better in the long run because more people are going to be getting something out of it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. But remember, Amy, no one has your podcast or your voice or your authenticity. (laughs) Yeah, that's true. You know, it's yours. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. 
I always get furious while like, I'm like, oh God, someone's going to start a birthing course. But it's like, people have been doing birthing courses since like the dawn of time. It's not like some, yes. like I've reinvented the wheel, you know? Yes, exactly. Exactly. And it's hard to sort of, I think I've wrangled with that my whole life with every project I've ever had, because I'll come up with something and I'll research and make sure that doesn't exist already. Cause I don't want to step on anyone's toes. And then it's silly though, because like I said, it's like that book, um, Big Magic by Elizabeth Gilbert. Have you read that? No, I haven't. She talks about how there are multiple ideas, or sorry, there's one idea in the world and multiple people will actually have that same idea and not even know each other or be in touch with one another or have any connection because it's a good idea. And so it, it talks about that, that imposter syndrome thing and that worry that someone else will take your, I think um, there's like a phenomenon as well where there'll be a bunch of movies that come out at the exact same time with a similar theme. And you'll think, how did they know that the other person was writing that film? Have you noticed that before? Oh, absolutely. When I did. It's um, strange, isn't it? When I um, got my graphic designer to do my logo, who actually does not sit in the mothering space at all. Like she, you know, she works in advertising. So it's like, yeah, this is totally her first step into this world. She did the logo and I was like, oh my God, it's like someone else's logo. It's like the exact same thing. Like we need to scrap it and start again. But it's so unconscious, you know? Oh, totally. Yeah. It's maybe what was evoked for her um, was evoked for someone else because of the themes within motherhood or something. I don't know. It's, It's bizarre. We'll never understand the way the mind works. Anyway, I'm going on a bit of a tangent here, I think, but... But yes, I definitely think your advice was excellent on business and and I think authenticity is also so true. You're always going to be your own self and no one can ever be that. And so, of course, your voice is important. So that's like a good way to sum that up, I guess. So going back to you, <laughs> what does success look like for you personally and how much has that changed since you became a mum? I definitely felt before becoming a mum, I tied a lot of my self-worth up with success and that's like a Mm. very dangerous thing to be a part and that's a lot of un, uh, you know unraveling I've had to do with through therapy is just being able to separate your career and your success and hitting goals to who you are as a person you know and not letting that define you that's been a very important lesson for me during this time and then how much it's changed since you became a mum. Did that change your version of success, the way you see it? Yeah, absolutely, because I don't think that um, the two are so inter- intertwined, you know. I think success can look like getting through a day without having, you know, five meltdowns. Yeah. <laughs> that can yeah. be success, you know. Success can be like managing to like cook dinner before like in the day when someone is having a nap and do two emails that to me looks like success me too not putting (laughs) such big goals or things to reach for I think um yeah it's a measure of expectation obviously and success yeah Mm. I yeah success for me is very similar these days especially the lack of meltdowns in a day that's a very successful day for me Mm -hmm. um so my final question is as always what has motherhood given you it's made me realize that I'm so more capable than I thought I was it's made me realize that 
I'm so much more generous than I thought I could be with my time, my creative ideas, with my body, Mm. with my friends and with my wisdom and experience. It's also made me realise that I can be vulnerable but can be so strong in that at the same time. Yeah, I didn't think that vulnerability and strength could be so synonymous, but they Mm. are. Yeah, definitely. I think it's massively strong to be vulnerable. I could honestly chat with you forever about this stuff, but that is all we have time for today. To anyone who is pregnant or hopes to be pregnant and you're listening from Victoria, head to radiantbirth.com.au and get involved in Yana's incredible community there. Thank you so much for coming on the show today, Yana. It's been really comforting chatting with you about all things motherhood. Thank you so much for having me. It's been a pleasure.